You are listening to Episode 7 of From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining me here at From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. Coming up on my 25-month anniversary, it is coming Wednesday. Super excited. Um, still, to the you know, I, I don't know if I ever want that feeling of the anniversaries to go away. You know, they're every they're the 13th of every month, and my birthday is is on the 15th of June. So in my head, it's very easy to remember because my birthday, you know, if I was counting them every 15th is 13th is boom right there. And so remembering it is super awesome. And just having passed two years coming up on um, 25 months, my mother passed away on Valentine's Day in 2007. So we're coming up on the 12 year anniversary of that. And so that's on the 14th. And so it's, a very big monumental because your know, mother passed away because of she had Crohn's, uh, but ultimately she uh, it was alcoholism and uh, a, a very healthy Xanax amitriptyline addiction that um, did her in. And I'll bring her into some more of these stories down the road. Um, but today, what we're going to discuss was my emotional reaction to an Instagram meme that got me really thinking about how people choose to get into sobriety and and grow into recovery and how willing other people are to accept the choices that they make while they're doing it. Uh, I, I'll tell you what the meme says. First of all, it was on this one um, Instagram page called 12 underscore step underscore memes. And if you guys all go and follow him, more power to you. I actually follow him as well. I think that there's hilarious stuff coming on in there. And a lot of these things on Instagram are quite funny. And uh, I like the the humorous spin. I mean, I, I do also enjoy posting things that are in-depth and, and that are more vulnerable and from the heart. But I'm definitely noticing that humor plays a really cool part in this too because I think that um, humor and laughter is the cure for all, for most ills. Um, it certainly is a way to you know change your state rather quickly uh, if you're not feeling very good in a particular moment. And we're going to go into some state-changing ideas here a little bit later. In fact, I think I'm going to go ahead and add that to my notes um, as I am looking over the meme. So it's this uh, meme of a dog wearing a headset. <laughs> And uh, above the the picture, it goes, actual picture of me neglecting step and service work with others to focus, in quotation marks, focuses on my memes, podcasts, life coaching, and social media. (laughs) In the the bottom of the picture, it says, time to open retrievingrecovery.com. And it's a golden retriever wearing a headset in front of a computer. Um, (laughs) And what made me laugh at this first I had, it's like I'm emotionally triggered. I was like, I was, I got a bit angry about it, but only after I laughed because that's me, you know, like a focusing. I mean, I don't understand the quotations of focus, but uh, memes, podcasts, life coaching, and social media. I do all four of, <laughs> I do all four of those things, uh, and so I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, am I ignoring my recovery in favor of helping other people or just? doing all of this as a smoke screen to my actual work. 
Um, I have a meeting with my therapist, which I do every every week, um, and that's coming up this week. And I'm going to bring this up with her, and we talk about this so frequently. It's 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 actually something that I won't have. This she'll be used to this because I bring it up a lot about my focus on my recovery and is it there, and you know, making sure that I'm doing the proper you know movements toward uh, a prolonged and, and long lasting life altering, you know, recovery. Because I didn't go to AA, I didn't go to NA, um, I, I went to recover, um, refuge recovery for about six months regularly. I haven't been in quite some time. I did smart recovery for a while. Um, I do meetings at Kaiser um, through my therapist, and she's getting ready to launch one that's going to be on Monday nights that I'm super interested in, and I can't wait to join, because that one's going to be one geared towards people who've got six months and beyond um, who are starting to perhaps you know get a little bit lethargic about their recovery, and she wants to make sure that everybody's growing towards integrity, humility, and gratitude, which she's constantly pushing and talking about a, a ton. And that's part of why I decided I wanted to talk about this topic today, because I've had people reach out and say, you know, specifically say, I really like what you're talking about because you're not focusing on AA in a refuge. You're not focusing on one of those um, societal programs that people have put together. You've got your own thing going on and, and it's working for you. And that's really great because I know a lot of people who've done it outside of the AA in a um, refuge world. And I think whatever way, first and foremost, whatever way works for you to get past that first second hour day, you got to do it. If going to 30 meetings in 30 days is going to keep you from from you know doing drugs or drinking, then do it. If going to seven meetings a day for the first 30 days or for the first year, if that's going to do it for you, then do it. Whatever it's going to take, do it. Now, uh, something else that came to mind that really, you know, many things fueled this topic for me uh, is I, I caught um, someone, I don't remember the page now, but there's three different ones that I've been following on Instagram that keep popping up. And the people have, they just started getting sober and all three have relapsed at least once. One has relapsed three times this year already. And they're, they're, you know, they're basically using Instagram as a diary and they're getting a lot of support and no one's dogging on them. No one, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, you go three weeks and you slip, glad to have you back. Um, but it's, you know, uh, they're not talking about the ways that they're going about um, staying sober. You know, no one's, I've looked over them. I haven't seen anything about AA or anything of that nature. And so I wonder like, what is their method? I will remind you guys that for me, whenever I chose to check it myself into Kaiser and stop drinking, I was, um, let's see, I stopped on Friday the 13th of January of 2017. And I was basically starting my, <clears throat> I had this thing where when I would binge for seven to 10 days, I would, it would take my body about seven to 10 days to recover. And through that recovery, it would be this crazy detox, you know, the, the cold, hot sweats and all of that that comes with it. And then not being able to eat and hold anything down and, you know, even water tasting horrible. And so my first seven to 10 days were already going to be seven to 10 days where I wasn't going to be able to drink anyways. I was putting myself through my usual detox because my body was just shutting down. I mean, almost emergency room level kind of shutdown. And I'm sure many of you understand what that means. And so 
by the time I got to almost week two, I was just starting to feel like a normal human being again. And it took me about two months to really be able to breathe correctly and to not wake up with chest pains and things of that, and it, of that nature. And it really, it probably, I'd say, I, I didn't really start feeling whole again until the summer, right around my birthday in June. Um, so it was a good five months where like there was still, just my body wasn't completely right. Um, it took a while. And so for me, those first couple of weeks were, you know, perhaps for someone else who just decides to stop after they've, you know, haven't necessarily had a 10 day bender. Um, perhaps that, that drive to want to drink or use drugs is still there because they're not, you know, not cold, hot sweats going, right? I'm just I'm not trying to deflect whatever they're going through. Just for me, that first two weeks was, was easier because I was putting myself through my normal detox. Um, but then Kaiser started putting me into, you know, Monday morning, Monday night, Wednesday night, therapy uh, sessions on Thursdays, Fridays. I was in a lot of stuff. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today is like, what did you use to, to get yourself sober and to be able to stay that way? You know, whenever somebody sits here and says, AANA, Refuge, Smart, Addiction Centers, Kaiser, they're the only way, I cringe. I don't think anyone has the right to say one way is better than the other. There, I, there are plenty of people who've used AA who have relapsed, and there's probably no doubt there are just as many people who have used it, their own program where they just sit at home and white-knuckle it, and they'll relapse. And some people have quit cold turkey and succeeded. And that's what they tell you, and you don't really know what's going on in their lives. That could just be the story they oh, they want everyone to think that they were able to quit cold turkey and move on. And some people do, and some people don't. Right? You just you got to take what somebody says to you at face value. It's just when people hear that I didn't go to AA, and they say, you know, you got to do the steps, and you got to do this, and if you're not doing this, you're not. I'm like, that's what you did. Like when it comes to my recovery. I can assure you, I'm putting a ton of effort. Um, anyone close to me knows that I'm you know, constantly looking back and saying, okay, what are some of these emotional, this emotional baggage I've been carrying around for so many years that has been holding me back? Because you know, alcohol and drugs were a solution to a problem we had back in the day that became the problem. You know, for the reasons I started using alcohol and drugs, and I, you know, I look back and I think, you know, I had a bit of an addictive personality even as a kid. If I got bad grades, I'd put my Nintendo away for the summer. Parents would make me do that. I would choose to do that. I'd be like, nope, no, you don't get to play video games this summer because you didn't get good enough grades. Uh, my room was meticulously clean. Even though it, it was cluttered, I collected baseball cards and basketball cards and, and uh, magazines and books, and I read a ton. So my room had a lot of stuff in it, but it was meticulous. If you said, where is you know some where is a can of air so you can blow it on your keyboard, I'd know exactly where that was in my room. Um, so it was meticulous, you know, and so I look... Why was I saying? Why was I? <laughs> why was I telling you guys that? Oh, my addictive personality as a child. So when my parents got divorced, uh, the summer that I turned eighteen and graduated high school, 
um, I had always known that addiction had run in my family. And so when, you know, mom moved to Florida and stepdad wasn't ever really paying attention to me much anyways, he worked a ton and, and provided for me greatly, but wasn't really paying attention to my behavior. Um, you know, immediately that summer, you know, I started smoking pot. I started drinking booze, took acid for the first time at a Grateful Dead concert. And then I went to college and I wanted to party a lot and and be around beautiful women. So I joined a fraternity and that's just a haven for, um, the use of alcohol and my fraternity, you know, frowned upon drug use, but I still found the little click there that did it. So I was, it was full on for me. And, you know, I know that the sadness of my mom getting the disease of Crohn's and whenever I was eight and dealing with that all the way up to 18 and then her divorcing, you know, before I even graduated high school, this divorce stuff started. So my family was already torn apart on graduation day. And so getting to college, I was like, yeah, let's throw down. Let's do this. And I did that. I stayed in college for 22, you know, 22 years. That's how long I was a drunk. But I stayed in college for 12 years because it's a great place to uh, to hide out if you're an alcoholic. And so I know where a lot of this emotional damage and trauma comes from that I need to heal from. And so back then I didn't, and I used alcohol and drugs to mask it. And, you know, still now I have these walls built up around myself. And you can call them walls or you can call them fences or, or steel slats. <laughs> I'm just, I got into a joke with someone the other day about uh, the walls I've built up around myself. I'm like, yeah, who's calling them walls? They could be called slats. And uh, just as a joke on stuff, I'm sure you guys have seen uh, within the political realm. But yeah, we we build up walls, right? I'm going to assume I'm not the only one who's done that. And we have this emotional trauma and we're trying to heal from it. And now we are stepping into this world of sobriety recovery. And so what is working for you? I did AA in college, and I wasn't a big fan of it. And whenever I got sober this time, it wasn't necessary. All right? I thought about going. I even mapped out all the meetings to go to. But I I immediately did jump back into the hobbies and the interests and the passions I had for life that were taken away. And so sum all that up as you guys get yourselves into sobriety and recovery. If you're that person at day one who keeps relapsing on day one, or if you're that person who's made it to month one, two, three, four, my therapist likes to, she stresses a lot that the difference between sobriety and recovery is sobriety is people white knuckling it and counting days and hoping to God that they don't relapse. And people in recovery have switched their identity. And some of these words are mine and some of them are hers. Um, some the people in recovery have switched their identity from an alcoholic or a drug addict to someone in addiction recovery. And now their focus is on how can they become even better than the best version of themselves. Each day we're moving closer, right? And she, you know, and we talk about this a lot and she'll say, you know, those people who go to meetings every day, that's great. But are they also working on their recovery? Are they also working on their emotional problems? Are they working on their physical body? Are they working on their mental aptitude? Are they working on their spirituality? And and remember, spirituality doesn't necessarily mean religion. It's just your cardinal authority. What are the values, beliefs, um, that morals that you guide your, your life by. And so, you know, she's like, well, then people are actively working on that when they're journaling or meditating or thinking or having great conversations. You know, it's not enough to just go to a meeting and talk about your day or your week and use that as a way of, to vent. It, it's, a, you know, there's got to be growth going on where you're really challenging your way of thinking to make sure that it's not 
holding you back from even further growth in recovery. And, you know, and again, partial her words, partial mine. And that's really what I want people to, to be thinking about whenever you're going to the meetings. You know, it's like, you know, what habits do you need to be resetting? We live in a society that is based upon addictions. I mean, habits are just programmed, what is it, programmed like uh, responses that your brain has to certain situations so it doesn't have to think about what the response is supposed to be. I'll I'll repeat that if I can, that habits are just programmed, let's let's say the programmed actions that your mind uses as a response to a cue so it doesn't have to think about what to do. Programmed programmed response programmed actions it's like i've been trying to solidify this uh for a little bit of time because one um it's important to me that i fully am on board with what it exactly is and that whenever i talk about it that it's that i get it i wrote this for one of my presentations a habit is just a program response to a situation that your mind has created a system for so that it doesn't have to think about what to do next Now, I can repeat this because I've literally written it down because it's part of a presentation I'm giving on Wednesday. A habit is just a programmed response to a situation that your mind has created a system for so that it doesn't have to think about what to do next. When your alarm goes off, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you use the restroom, you you know, you shower, you get ready. You know, think about what your morning routine is for a lot of people. It's literally the alarm goes off and it's get the coffee, get in the shower, get dressed, get the kids ready, you know, if you got them, get everybody out of the house, go to work, go to school, boom, now you get to work and you know, there it is. Right? Well, for a lot of us, if you know, all of us, if you got yourself into addiction recovery, we had those habits, right? The cue, craving, response, reward. You know, what was the cue? Got in an argument with a, with a, with a loved one, all right? Now, it's a, we, we get in an argument with a loved one. The cue is um, we need something to push back the emotions because that was too much. So we start to crave alcohol. Our response is to get alcohol, and then the reward is to drink the alcohol, and now that reward is anchored to that cue. So each time we get into an argument, uh, hell, each time we you know turn a project in at school, I have another show called College Success Habits that I really launched as a to talk to young kids about the habits they create to see if we can't stop them from getting where we are. Right? Like, let's not have more people needing addiction recovery in the future. But unfortunately, we live in a society that, again, is propelling habits. It's a propelling addiction. Whether Steve Jobs knew it or not, he created an addiction machine whenever he first launched the iPod, right? From the iPod came iPhones, then iPads. It's it's, it's constant. The moment the internet was invented, it is just a hub for addiction. If you're in, whatever you're into, whether you're into porn or racism or sexism, or even if you're into good stuff like gardening, I mean, you can you can literally just get lost on the internet and just spend hours of your life just clicking through, right? And you're just getting all these little images and there's these little dopamine hits and boom, next thing you know, you've spent an entire day just doing whatever it is that you're addicted to on the internet. You know, and what the, in turn, it's we've almost got ourselves, not almost, we are into a, a, a space where we are an instant gratification society, right? I'm, I, one of the things I'm talking about on the, the presentation on Wednesday is buffering. And buffering is just something that we do so that we don't have to think about what's really hurting us. 
Right? If you don't want to feel negative emotions, you can buffer them away with a vice or a distraction or an escape fail. So you don't have to feel something unpleasant. Something happens in your life that's unpleasant, and so you need to push it away. So you buffer, and it's a term Brooke Castillo from the Life Coaching Scholars or Life Coaching School, but I'm in her Scholars program. She talks about buff, and she uses the term buffering, um, like a video would buffer, where you get stuck, you're stalled while it buffers, right? That's what buffering is. If you don't want to feel negative emotion, so you turn to alcohol, and that that stops you. It stops you from feeling. It stops you from growing. It stops you from doing anything productive, because now you're now you're in that habit loop that you created for yourself. But you don't have to feel anything unpleasant because you're drunk, and maybe you do. You cry while you're sitting there drunk, but you're not really healing from the problem because you're in a, you're in an altered state. Okay. When we stop buffering, you know, these are some of her, some of her words, and I'll, I'll quote them. When we stop buffering, we will experience temporary pain. All right, the pain is not caused by the lack of buffering. We need to unbuffer ourselves long enough to find the cause of the pain. What is the mess that needs to be cleaned up in your mind? Why is buffering even necessary for you? Okay, and so when you start to think about why you got yourself into this mess. (laughs) That's what I think. What the hell did I do to get myself into this mess? It's all about thinking about what was I buffering. And so when you're going to these meetings, be talking about that. You know, going back to the meme, because we're going to be closing this up soon, what I really, what just really, again, cringes me is when I read things that aren't supportive of other people's processes. It's all about what somebody what works for someone else. All right, I don't think that it, if you don't go to AA, it doesn't work. I don't think that if you don't do the steps, that it, you will fail. Like I don't think that at all. It, it to me, it doesn't make any sense that one system would work for everyone, and if you don't do that one system, then nothing succeeds. I mean, there are so many different ways. Now, I, I mean, Refuge Recovery has the four truths. I looked over the 12 steps. I've done a lot of those. Maybe I didn't do them with a sponsor. I didn't do them necessarily in the order that they were on there, you know, but I've talked and worked through everything on that list with my therapist and, and within my circle of trust and with other people within the sobriety and recovery community. So when you hear somebody else is doing it their way, ask them questions about how that's working for them, right? Be curious oh, wow, that's really cool. I never thought about that. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. You know, I, and again, if you're, if you're into the, all the meetings and whatever it is, I mean, by no means am I saying don't do them. I'd say do whatever you want to do. Just make sure that it's all wrapped up around the web of actual getting into recovery, of figuring out what habits you need to reset, how you drive home from work, how you get to work, what you do in the morning, what you do when you come home. All right. Relapse doesn't just happen. It starts well before actual relapse. All right. This is something I've heard in, in, in many of the meetings I've gone to at Kaiser. And I've heard people in, who come to these who do AA and NA regularly, and, and they'll say, yes, we talk about that. You know, the, I love that not all meetings from AA are just people in a circle sharing, that the, there's ones that are certain you know, that are around each step. And there's ones where speakers come in. And, you know, there's, there's different ones. And I've definitely already looked into, like, oh, I'd love to hear what some of those speakers have to say. I'd love to just see a different side of it. And that's what I would encourage everyone to do. If you think your way is the only way, go check out what some of these other people are doing. Because we all started buffering for a reason.
And now that we're ready to stop the buffering and start the healing, it's going to be tough. It's, there's going to be some pain involved because all of a sudden we have to come face to face with crap we had not thought we were going to have to come face to face with for forever. Right? I knew the moment alcohol hit my lips that this was going to be a treacherous road. And at one point in my life, I would have to stop or I was never going to fully become the person I wanted. And so I, in closing, I think one of the reasons why this meme got to me was because it made me question, am I doing everything I can be doing? Right, and I like being questioned. I like questioning myself. Am I doing everything I could be doing? Am I just filling up my day with learning and reading and talking and presenting and all this stuff when I'm not actually working towards what I'm supposed to be working towards? Doing doing an inventory of my own recovery is something I do regularly. Hell, I developed an entire program around it. So when I saw this, now I look at it and I think it's funny because (laughs) in reality, like memes, podcasts, life coaching, social media, I'm like, oh my God, it's all of them. The only other one that's missing is, you know, working out and and drinking protein shakes. (laughs) But there's another one for that I found. So, um, so that's it for today, guys. I just, you know, what is it that you're using to get you into sobriety and recovery? What are you doing each second minute? hour day to get you guys through those those very first initial days and what is it that you'll be doing as you move forward you know figuring out a system right off the bat day one it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be your system that you're using per, in, per, in perpetuity it just means that it's a system you're using now it's not the system you have to use forever whatever it just start right? The plant that, the, the, the seed that sprouts doesn't necessarily know if it's going to go straight up or, or start growing to the side, right? It, it doesn't even know where the sun's going to be coming from and what angle will it ultimately start to grow, but it knows that it's growing, right? And that's the key. All these words to get to the part that just make sure you know you're growing and don't be fooling yourself by filling up your day with a lot of stuff, but not actually filling it up with anything that, that's of quality, That, to me, is extremely important, and it's something I focus on regularly. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me here at From Sobriety to Recover Me. Please go to your favorite podcasting app that you are listening to me on. Subscribe, rate, review. I'm in seven countries now. Columbia has found me. Um, Greenland still has not. Still looking for Greenland. Um, Go to Instagram, at From Sobriety to Recovery. I'm very active there. I'm working on becoming more active on Facebook if, if that's the your jam and you're normally on there. Uh, at From Sobriety to Recovery on Facebook where all my Instagram posts go. And I'm also going to be blogging on there starting in March. And, of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Jesse Mogul. I am everywhere on the Internet, and I'm the only Jesse Mogul. So um, it's not hard to find me, which was not a good thing in college when I got arrested because everybody would know that was me. <laughs> So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Please go out there on social media, start up a conversation. Let me know what you guys did your first couple days, your first hour. What is it that helped you get through those first moments when you wanted to relapse? What is it that you see in yourself that you knew, no, this is the best path for me. I am growing. I am getting better. This is awesome. And I can't wait. Because I'll I'll tell you this, my sister and I got into a great conversation and she's going to be my first guest on the show. I'm going to bring her on next week. And we talked about how after that first year, which for some of you I get sounds really far away, but just let me tell you about our our story. After that first year, after making it through all those firsts, it was um, it didn't it didn't get 
easier. It wasn't like on cruise control, but there it just felt different. There was a different energy around it. She's coming up on 18 months. I'm just past two years. It's a different energy. It's not the, oh my God, I hope I don't fail today. I hope I don't drink today. Fail was the wrong word. I hope I, hope I don't use drugs today. It's Now it's like, okay, what is it that I'm doing to to really increase my recovery and my growth? So again, hit me up on Instagram at From Sobriety to Recovery. I love you all. Remember the power of positive energy, release and flow. Release that positive energy. Your life will flow like a river. But if you send out negativity, those little those little beavers of negativity will be in front of you building dams and you'll wonder why your life isn't going as smoothly as you'd prefer. And as always, take care of one another, support one another, and know every single person's way is just as good as yours, right? That's the most important part. Somebody relapsed and did not fail. They just got some feedback on what better want to do better next time. Much love, everyone. Take care now. See you soon. Bye-bye.